With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today on Rambling About Cars, 2024 Ford F-150, 2025 Cadillac CT5, 2024 GMC Acadia, 2024 Jeep Gladiator. What do they have in common? They're refreshed, or all new, for 2024. And it's going out at the Detroit Auto Show that's getting ready to kick off for public here just in a couple days. We've got a lot to talk about, so let's roll. It is podcast time. I am Christopher Smith, across the way, Mr. Chris Bruce. It's been a week so far. I mean, auto show weeks always get pretty busy. Yeah, it's been a busy start of the week so far. Um, for anyone who missed it, and I'll recommend go back and see it if you did miss it. We did a, we did something a little bit different for the F-150's debut. So we did yeah. a about a half an hour beforehand, and I think it was a little bit more than half an hour afterwards, wasn't it? It was closer to 45 minutes. Yeah, all total. Um and yeah, if you didn't catch it yesterday, this is this is Bruce and I's second basically podcast of the week because we were on last night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. And yep. I think we wrapped up. It was a little after nine when we finally wrapped up. Of course, Ford debuted the uh, the 2024 F-150 and we that debut took place. Their live stream started at eight o'clock. Um, yep. We were on at 730 with Motor One Editor-in-Chief Seth Mearsman. We did kind of a pregame show where we talked a little bit about the truck. We all watched the debut together. We did a little bit more afterwards. It was a really good time. I think we're going to do a lot more of those in the future. So, uh, yeah, it, uh, it performed well for us, and but it was also a lot of fun. You know, people were able to ask us questions afterwards. We were able to respond to them because, you know, some stuff wasn't necessarily in that presentation or people hadn't seen our debut story yet. They were because they were following along with the show. So it was it was a good time. And yeah. A, it performed well, and B, it was fun. So, yeah, I agree. I think we're going to end up doing more of those in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a really good time. and uh, But we've got some more good times happening right now, do we not? We do. Um, and actually, we're going to kick off with the F-150 because we know, yep. obviously, jump right into it there. some of the folks watching this or listening to this didn't necessarily catch that stream and you probably want to know about the new f-150 or not the new the refreshed f-150 the 2024 f-150 yeah that's um, because that's a, a good thing to note there it, it is yeah. refreshed because it's been the best-selling truck in the united states for the last 46 years and it's been the best-selling vehicle for decades as well so it's you know Anytime that truck gets even a little update, it's a big deal because it's such a big presence in the United States market. It is. And um, it is an update. It's a fairly minor update, if we're being honest. But as I said, as I said in our debut post, and by the way, you'll want to go over to MotorOne.com to really dive in deep. We have so much to talk about. We won't be able to do quite as deep a dive here. Uh, We have quite a bit of information. Um, 
And also, you know what, before we completely jump into that, if you're joining okay. us for the first time live, we're live on Motor One YouTube, Motor One Com on Facebook, Motor One Com Twitter. Wherever you're at there, you can type in comments. We see it live. You can chat and interact with us live right here, right now. I know we have some of our regulars in here. Ted Adam Green, Group FBC, we see over here in the chat. Thanks for joining us. Let's talk about F-150 because it is a refresh. But this one's kind of all about the details because when you look at it on the outside, you might be hard pressed to see what's different. You'll notice right away, right up front, uh, things are a little different. Ford has what they're calling a new coast to coast grill on their models, where it, it's basically, and I, I know Seth was kind of like, yeah, I'm not really sure. I, I kind of like this terminology um, because it it's now just basically like a solid rectangle all the way across the front um, yes. that incorporates the lights. When you look closely, you realize like like the, the corners there on the fenders, the actual outline of the headlights, that hasn't changed. Um, but the headlights themselves, the structures are a little different. The running lights now basically come down straight to form basically like almost like a like a, a C clamp or a C shape up there on the top. And then down on the lower fascia, they've also kind of squared things up. Um, this is very literally speaking, a squaring of the jaw, so to speak. And I think it brings a lot more symmetry to the uh, to the front end without really shaking things up too bad. There are also individual grill designs still for uh, for right. various trim levels. Um there is the new STX that used to be just a, uh, a package for the XL. STX is now its own trim level. Um, and I kind of I kind of gravitate towards the STX because we were talking has, about that last night. It's kind of polarizing. Or no, no, I'm sorry. The Trevor that, is the that one was, that, polarizing. That was that that yeah. was Trevor. If if you can pause yes. the uh, the video right there back on that grill. Let's let's talk about that grill for uh, for a moment. I sure can't. This shot right here? Uh, yeah, right there. Um, okay. and for the, and for those on audio, of course, audio still goes up Friday. We love our audio listeners, whether you're on, I didn't run through my, my spiel, Bruce, whether you're on Deezer, oh, whether geez. you're on Amazon, Spotify, a dozen or so audio platforms. We love having you. Let me describe what we're looking at here on the video because Ford has various grills and on the STX in particular, Ford was talking about a retro vibe and they were kind of pointing back to the seventies uh, to that slotted grill in the seventies that also existed basically through like, I think like 86 or so until the, uh, right. un until the next generation there, I kind of know it as the egg crate grill. And I do get a really strong retro vibe from that grill. And when you look at the new STX from the fronts, I I'm getting kind of a, a a bit of an '80s vibe with that nice kind of just very very proportioned, very rectangular front end with that grill with their new coast to coast grill that seamlessly moves into the headlights. I'm getting a real flavor of that, and I like it. Um, if I were looking at a new F-150, I would be seriously considering the STX. It's I mean yeah, it doesn't have it's not going to have all of the the frills of like the Lariat or the King Ranch or, or, or higher up. Um, but I, I dig the look. And also, new for 2024, 
all F-150s have the standard issue digital interior, basically. That's the 12-inch digital display uh, for the driver. That's the 12-inch center touchscreen. That's standard across the board now, even on the XL and the STX. Before, it was still, I think you still had analog gauges, if I remember correctly, with just a little digital display in, the, in between those gauges. Now it's all digital. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take it all every day of the week. So, my opinion... I don't necessarily get a retro feel from this. I just, I don't necessarily see it. I think it's a handsome looking truck. It, it, we're, we're talking specifically about the STX right now. Um, I think it's a handsome looking truck. It's a very understated truck. It doesn't mm -hmm. look, even just that grill doesn't look that retro to me, but it also doesn't look bad to me. It's just, I don't, I, 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 I to me, it seems a little bit more like marketing to call it retro than how it actually looks. But again, that's purely my opinion. No, I mean, hey, that that's fair. That's fair. Um, and it's also important to point out that there are different grills for different trims still. It, it's oh, yeah. not the same grill across the board. For example, Bruce, as you were alluding to earlier, the polarizing look of the F-150 Tremor. The Tremor trim Here. is still around. I will pull that up because... We were discussing this last night with Seth, and we were just basically saying whether that big orange bar and that kind of weird wavy grill pattern is whether it's, it's a very bad or something yeah. else. It's a very large mesh pattern, I would say, where, where it crisscrosses back there. And yeah, yes. you know what? Orange, do you need orange trim on anything? You know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I rather like the way the tremor looks. It, I, I don't find it. I mean, I, I don't find it attractive per se, but yeah, I find it. I, I find it fulfilling and very satisfying. I think there's something to be said there for this redesign or just this refresh because it's relegated to the front. I mean, that's it. We're going to talk about the, the new, the new pro access tailgate here in a minute. That's yeah. at the back. Um, yeah, we're going to have to discuss the, that for sure the design changes are relegated to the front, but they've done it in a way where it, it's not a huge change, but it's very proportional and it's very symmetrical. And I think it's very satisfying. And I think it comes back to what we've talked about for the last few podcasts with designers really trying to over-design vehicles where you have all kinds of contrasting angles and things happening you don't have that here, right? You just have a big rectangle where the grill is moving into the headlights. You have the lower bumper that has just more, you know, rectangles and the C motif going on. So um, it's, it's, I get a little bit of a, of a 70s, 80s vibe from it. And I wonder if that's by accident that we're seeing that now after we've seen a few other automakers kind of moving in that direction with more symmetry. I don't know. That's, mm -hmm. that, that's a, that's a theory. And I would love to hear everybody's feedback out there. Um, jump into the comments or don't forget everybody. You can email us podcast or motor one.com too. Um, yep. But I think it's time we should talk about that tailgate. Cause that's one yep. of the major changes that's coming to the refreshed. That, that's arguably the biggest, uh, the biggest news story here with the 2024 F-150. Yes, there are some design changes up front, but at the back Ford has 
entered the tailgate wars. They say they've ended the tailgate wars. That's the tailgate a, wars are far from that, over. That, that's a little presumptuous, especially when you consider. I mean, things like you know, like a uh, the the multifunction tailgate that GMC and Chevrolet has, where there's all kinds of der- various features and things in it. Ford has their Pro Access tailgate, and to make it really, really blunt. It's a swing open portion that's mounted in the center of a regular drop down tailgate. The door opens from the driver's side and it swings open to three specific positions. There are detents where it'll stop. The first one is 37 degrees. The second one is 70 degrees. And if you open it all the way, it's 100 degrees. And Ford says they designed it that way just for the ease of use and access, but also that first detent at 37 degrees is shallow enough to reach inside and access things while still having a trailer attached. The door won't hit the trailer if there's a trailer attached. Obviously, that's going to depend on the trailer. I've seen some trailers that that might, you know, have portions that come up that might be a little bit close. But it's designed for trailers to be attached and still have some functionality there. Um, and just to be clear, you can still drop it like a normal tailgate. You know? Yes. Yep. Not that this is not just Correct. solely a door. It, you can still Correct. operate it like, a, you know, the tailgates that we've known and loved for decades. That, that's I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. I just wanted to make sure that's clear to everybody. Yes, this is a swing out door mounted in a traditional drop down tailgate that still drops down. And Bruce, I was just realizing shortly before the podcast, uh, the 96 Buick Roadmaster station wagon that I owned um, had a regular drop down gate at the back, but you could also open that door, you know, open it all the way up from the driver's side. Um, so it's not necessarily new tech, of course. No, the, the whole, well, the whole remember- gate on that wagon opened up as opposed to just the center section. Um, do you remember this? I think it was Chevrolet that did this. And if any of our commenters, if I'm wrong, please let us know. But um, uh, there was one, I believe it was a Chevrolet wagon where the tailgate like basically bent into the car. So like it kind of like sucked down underneath. And so you got this really flat load space. But it wasn't a hatchback that tilted up. It just kind of, I, I can't describe it right. It, it just kind of went on in. Um, but th- that was another design that was around for a while. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think it just goes to show there have been innovations in rear gate designs for a very long time. Um, and Ford was making a big deal about this tailgate. And and to some degree, that's fair, because I think it's a very clean, simple, yet functional design. I know there are some out there that would argue um, GMC's multifunction tailgate uh, that's also available on Chevrolet's now. It maybe it goes a little too far in trying to do too many things at once. Um, this is just a nice, simple, straightforward. We've got the center door that you can open up. Um, and now it makes access to the bed a lot easier for a lot of people. If you throw a nice tonneau cover on the top of the uh, of the bed there, you essentially have something of an enclosed trunk or in the back. Kind of sort um, of. Ford, yeah. And Ford also sells various bed dividers and things where you can actually divide that, that back portion of the bed. With the tonneau cover on top, you can go up. You can still open up that center door with the tonneau cover on there, access it like a big trunk. So uh, there's certainly some 
some good functionality there. Um, but is it? But does it end the tailgate wars? No, no, no. Sorry, Ford. It's 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 not going to end the tailgate wars. There will be more innovations to come. There will be more ideas to come. Um, but yeah, the new tailgate is here. It's not available across the board. It's um, an option for Lariat and King Ranch, if I remember correctly. Um, standard on Platinum. And it's not available on the lower trim levels, the XL. It might be available on the XLT and Lariat as options. Or no, I'm sorry. It's available, has an option for King Ranch. Uh, no, I'm going to get it right, folks. I didn't make any notes today. <laughs> Shame on me. It's it's optional for Lariat and Tremor. Standard on King Ranch and Platinum, not available below Lariat. Um, and has an option. It's available through a $1,620 option package. It's not just a standalone thing. Mm-hmm. So um it is there, it is available. I was going to say, was, speaking, was, was, you're sorry. talking numbers. We also have pricing for the 2024 mm-hmm. F-150. Uh, prices start for an XL rear-wheel drive, two-wheel drive. Prices start at 38565 What I find fascinating is that there is a big leap in pricing between two of the trims. So the XLT, which is, you know, kind of a... It's basically the middle of the road version. A four-wheel drive XLT is $53,415. The next step up from there is the Tremor four-wheel drive, and that is $65,945. That is over $10,000 difference between two trim levels. Yep, I mean, I, th- I I don't have the stats in front of me, so I can't say this with any certainty. Um, I believe XLT falls right around in their volume area, so it's probably yeah. smart to to keep things a little bit you know lower on the scale there. When you start getting into Lariat, uh, Platinum, and and on up there, I mean, you're certainly looking more into the luxury realm. Tremor is obviously pretty focused on the off road crowd. Um, that for whatever reason isn't jumping up to the Raptor, um, which by the way, well, the Raptor is not cheap. We don't have Raptor R pricing. We just have standard Raptor pricing, but a Raptor is going to be $79,975. Well, actually, we actually, we do have Raptor R pricing, Bruce, because I missed that. Sorry. They they don't. Well, here's the thing. They don't list it as its own model. It's, it's still weird. It's still, it's still grouped with Raptor. So yeah, 2024 Ford F-150 Raptor, which by the way, um, gains new dual valve shocks um, along with the, the the minor refresh that we've talked about. There's also a pretty cool uh, a modular bumper that's available both on the Raptor and on the Tremor. Um, it's actually the same bumper. They get different little corner inserts and then uh, they're designed to carry accessories that you can get dealer installed from Ford Performance. But to get back to Raptor pricing here, um, with destination and it's a one thousand nine hundred ninety-five dollar destination fee. It's not a, it's not a cheap destination charge. Space starts at seventy-nine thousand nine hundred seventy-five dollars. That's for the Raptor. The yeah, Raptor R is considered a package under Raptor. Um, and if I remember correctly, well, oh, I'm I've looking got at the number right here. 
I've got it listed right here. It's the Raptor R803 pack, 803A package. It's adds the supercharged 5.2 liter V8, other upgrades. That package adds $31,575 to the price. So I think if if I remember correctly, the Raptor R starts right around $111,000. Um, I went it's through 118,590. I'm looking at it in our post here. Well, I that's a, well, I, yep. I, I went through uh, because the configurator went live. Basically, I think has the debut happened last night. So after the debut, I went, jumped into the configurator, played around um, 111, around 111,000 is where the Raptor R would start the price here. $118,590. That's with every single option you can get attached. So that is officially the most expensive 2024 Ford F-150. The Raptor R at $118,590. Every single option box checked on that. Um, and a bit more Raptor R news that we're still waiting to hear on. There is more power coming because 700 horsepower wasn't enough. It wasn't, it wasn't enough. Of course it's enough. It's, it's an insanely powerful truck. It's insanely fast. Um, but we know that Ram TRX makes 702 so ford has announced whether it's whether it's in response to tier we don't know but ford has said that the 2024 raptor r will have more than 700 horsepower exactly how much we don't know yet we don't we'll know. announce that we'll announce that later on uh which 705 whether it's 710 it's probably going to be more than 702 just just so they can <laughs> Pick up some of those bragging rights there. Seven oh three. If it, honestly, if it's seven oh three, I'm gonna, I'll probably smile and laugh more than anything else. Oh because, yeah, because I because I mean that's that would be that would be just like really telling. That would be really telling. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, the engine, the five point two liter supercharged. I mean, it's derived from the Shelby GT five hundred. And so, so we know the engine is certainly capable of quite a bit more. I remember when Ford debuted the Raptor R, uh, they were talking about the engine um, that they they had retuned it for for more functionality in an off road setting. So that's what they said. Yeah, you know, lower lower peak powers. You know, just just lower peaks in the um, in the rev range, things of that nature. But a little more power is never going to hurt, right? Um, so yeah, there's no, pricing especially when you have a competitor with, you know, when you have a truck with 700 and a competitor has a truck with 702, you're going to, you know, just kind of elbow the engineers a little bit and say, let's, you know, give me 705 and <laughs> you know, that that's all I need, you know, yep. cause that's good. Th those are just bragging rights. It's not necessarily, you know, the truck is already fantastic the way it is. It's just, you know, they if, want to if be it gets another say, 10, we have the most powerful truck you can buy. And that's what they're going to yep. do. If it's another 10 horsepower, if it's another 20 horsepower, I doubt you would you would even know there was a little extra power in there when you're talking that kind of level. Sure. Uh, but since we're but since we're on the subject of engines, before we, we move on from F-150, do want to yes. point out some other some other notable changes. Uh, um, uh, that, yeah. uh, update obviously comes to the front on the outside. 
there is there is no update to the interior. The interior layout is the same. I already mentioned that the digital driver display and the center touchscreen, 12 inches, that's standard across all models, um, standard across the board. Ford adds more standard issue uh, driver assist systems across the board. Powertrains are unchanged, except what we just talked about with the Raptor R. We don't know how much power is coming yet. And the naturally aspirated 3.3 V6, which was formerly the, the base model engine, the, the entry-level engine, that's been dropped. That's no longer offered. The base engine is now the 2.7 liter EcoBoost V6 that's starting at 325 horsepower, 400 pound-feet of torque, which is the same as it was last year. The 5 liter V8, the 3.5 liter EcoBoost V6, the PowerBoost Hybrid, those are all carry over all the same outputs. Um, and we don't know exactly when the the production and sales will start yet. That hasn't been announced. But the configurator is up right now where you can jump over and build the F-150 of your dreams. Mm-hmm. And I want to call out uh, Sunday Dixon has a really good uh, comment here. I don't mind the new tailgate as even a child could have access to the bed directly with without climbing into the bed or over the tailgate or anything a child could more easily have access to it and that's a good point that with that swing out design even if you were to drop the tailgate then they would have to reach over that but with yep. the swing out and perfect image to come up here it would be easier if you had a kid and go tell them reach in and grab you know whatever you got back there it's a yep. fair point yeah, I mean, and it's not unlike Ram's barn door design. Um, True. But, but th- I mean, that when you look at it from the back, be- because one door is shorter than the other, it has it has sort of a, of an odd look to it because you see that offset body line in there. Ford's is just, you know, the swing out door in the middle. It's very proportional. It's very even. Um, and it's very simple. And that's, I mean, simple is not a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, the simple solution is usually the best one as opposed to trying to be a little extra clever. And uh, this uh, is this is coming from somebody who's been doing a lot of construction at his house and is realizing, I think and overthink this crap way too much. So Grupa FBC says, I'm trying to figure out why the guy in the press shot is hauling an empty golf bag. And Grupa FBC, I have an answer for that. It's because no one should play golf. That's why. <laughs> ouch, ouch. Hey, you only need a couple clubs anyways, right? I don't know. I I've you. never actually played golf. I've I've, survived, I've, but... I've been pretty good at mini golf. Um, I've had a I've had a few good drives at the mini golf. Uh, I remember one time getting the golf ball into a hole in like I wasn't supposed to be on that section of the course, but I chipped it a little too hard and away it went. My dad has a joke, and like any good dad joke, he tells it whenever he can. We go to the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix every year, and it takes place on a public golf course. And he every year he says, this is the best use ever for a golf course, parking cars (laughs) on them. So I come by it honestly. Yeah. So hey, Pebble Beach was just a golfers. few weeks ago. That's a golf course too. You know what the best use for that place is? Parking gorgeous cars there. You can send your hate mail to uh, Christopher.Bruce at motor1.com for all the golf. Yeah, that's my fans email address. There. Yeah, you can send it out. Yeah, that's, <laughs> my, that's that's my email address. 
But that's uh, that's what we got. F one fifty. We've got uh, we got a few of the cars to talk about. Do you? Uh, which one do you want to move on to next year, Bruce? Uh, let's do CT five. Okay, Cadillac CT five. You, my friend, were in on the media event for this one. Well, what kind, what, 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 what kind, of, what kind of juicy? Event. I didn't get set anywhere. Fun, but yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, I I covered so the media event and us? then also wrote up the story for us. Uh, the 2025, it's funny to think about 2025 model year vehicles. It sounds like it's the future. Uh, the 2025 Cadillac CT5 is a refreshed version of the current one. Um, and it gets a new nose, which kind of what we were talking about with the F-150. But it also has a very big change to the exterior that we're going to look at. So vamp for me for just a hot second here while I get the gallery going, and then I will talk a little bit more about this vehicle. Well, obviously, all of these vehicles are debuting um, for the 2023 North American International Auto Show in Detroit. And uh, as I mentioned here at the start of the podcast, these are all refreshed vehicles, except one that we're going to get to here in, in just a little bit. Um, and in, in my mind, they're, they're actually fairly minor. I mean, once you once you dig into the F-150, you see, OK, the styling changes are a little different, but they've done quite a bit with with tech things underneath and, and added quite a few features. Um, is that the same here with CT five? Because I, I mean, I'm yeah. seeing the refresh. I'm seeing the refresh on the outside. And if I didn't know better, I would, I would say is, you know, what exactly is different here? I would say ignore the exterior. And when we talk about the interior, I think you'll be more impressed, but yeah. So there are two versions, just like now there's kind of a, the standard version and the sport model the, each of them both have a unique front end. We right now, the image that we're looking at is the sport version. It has a blacked out grill. Both of them have new headlights. So they are stacked rectangular LEDs. And because of the new headlights, they had to change the accent lighting. So it's actually hard to see in this photo. So I'm going to, go to the other model right here and you can see how previously the accent lighting was just a vertical like kind of a waterfall strip that went down the front end and now it is more of a kind of a bracket shape so it goes over the headlight and then continues on down over the front end uh, the grill is wider than before on both models uh, this one has a mix of gloss black and chrome Whereas on the sport model, it's all black. And the two models also have slightly different front fascias. You can kind of see it here. Um, the, the differences are very minor, but they are different pieces there. So, you know, that's cool. There are no changes to the flanks other than the sport model has black uh, trim around the windows. And there are absolutely no changes at the rear. Um, I'll show you this photo now. The rear doesn't change. Now. Here's the difference. Inside, dun, whereas, dun, whereas the current CT5 had a very traditional setup, it had two analog gauges and a digital screen in the middle and then a infotainment screen on the top of the center stack. Now, and this is standard across the line, there's this 33-inch diagonal screen with a 9K resolution, and again, standard, all of the models get this, and it combines the, both the instrument cluster and infotainment duties into one display. So you can kind of see it there, but the way this photo, it kind of makes it look like it's uh, split up. You can get a better look at it there, that you basically 
big old screen is what's going on there. And uh, the other thing that they've added to it. So it was like pulling teeth getting this out of Cadillac, but it will support um, Android Auto and Apple CarPlay. But it also now supports what's called Google built in. And that includes Google Assistant, Google Maps and Google Play. Um, so, you know, where we often talk about Android Auto and Apple CarPlay, this one also has Google built in. And there's an optional 5G Wi-Fi hotspot uh, for the cabin as well. So they really updated the interior for this model. And I mean, it's it's what we're seeing with with other Cadillac vehicles. I mean, I'm thinking Escalade in particular, but we're also seeing more General Motors products um, adopting the, just the, the larger screen setup here. Um, is that one single display, Bruce, or is that individual displays linked together under one large screen? Like, they like, is are there marketing a, it as a 33 inch display, so okay, it is so, so one screen, one big screen okay as opposed to two seven wow okay um i mean it certainly looks handsome um it certainly looks modern uh it looks like uh, there's still a fair amount of tactile controls is that what we're seeing underneath the uh, underneath the the i can zoom in so your hvac controls and stuff like that are still physical smart are still physical stuff you can see here where you would control where the air is going temperature there's still you know a little display there to show you the temperature but like moving it up and down and then again another array of controls underneath that for various functions so uh still got physical controls for that stuff very smart um and i wanted and- to, I, real quick i wanted to mention uh super cruise is available um and also in terms of safety tech it now comes standard with blind zone steering assist and intersection automatic emergency braking and then as options you can add traffic sign recognition and intelligent speed assist no definitely an improvement inside um outside honestly it's without you pointing out yeah outside. it's it's very minor but i didn't think i didn't think the CT5 was bad outside to start with. Um, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to share some comments here because we got some good ones. Ted Adam Green says, the Cadillac CT5 and CT4 are two of the most beautiful, capable, and performance luxury cars that no one is buying. I just don't get it. My friend has a CTSV that's phenomenal, but I'd never see any. You're not wrong. And how many times, Bruce, over the last 10, oh, maybe even 15 years, have we seen good vehicles or at least vehicles that seem attractive that have good performance chops that just you know nobody seems that interested in buying um sometimes yeah it's sometimes brands that people don't think to like to me like cadillac is the escalade brand like there's the cadillac escalade and then there's just kind of everything else and and there there are some things that have to be in there for filler doesn't mean the other products are bad it just means that they kind of you know fall by the wayside Mm -hmm. Well, and um, we we also know that, I mean, the the market is going towards SUVs versus sedans. Um, I I have not seen any of Cadillac's demographics, so I don't know, um, you know, what the typical Cadillac buyer is like. Um, obviously, Escalade sales are still strong. Um, I'm still a sedan person myself. I liked the the CTS. Um, I like the CT5. Uh, but I'm I'm going to segue here into another comment. Uh, let me bring this up here uh, from Group FBC. 
Uh, While you're doing says, that, I just wanted to mention, um, Ted Adam Green, you reminded me of this. The CT5V and CT5V Blackwing will also be getting refreshes. It's just that Cadillac is not showing them at this time, but they confirmed that refreshes will happen for those vehicles. So presumably, one would have to guess, they're at least going to get that screen set up because it wouldn't really make sense to do it for you know the lowest tier of the vehicles and then not do it for the more expensive ones. For sure. And lest we forget, I mean, these are these are Cadillac's final uh, internal combustion performance vehicles. Um, yeah. the, the, I mean, they've already said that, hey, when when the Blackwing is gone, that's going to be it. Um, Groove FBC says has a foreigner. I think Cadillac lost their way sometime back. And those customers Agreed. just aren't returning from the grasp of the Germans and Lexus escalate aside. Um, this is something and, and I'm going to puff my puff my chest up here a little bit because i i one i i agree with you right off the bat um years ago when we saw cadillac shift to alphanumerics yeah and we and we started and we started seeing things like the ct5 and then there was the srx and things went a little generic in my opinion and it felt well, I mean, like even before what about cts dts uh dts or it was yep, DeVille, STS. Seville, Katera that they yeah well it felt like cadillac started to try to play the germans game and yes. and my marketing kind of business oriented mind is you don't want to play the other guy's game you want to get them to play your game if if you want to if you want to take the lead right it felt like cadillac was trying to play the germans game well we'll make we'll make more sporty vehicles we'll make more um not generic but we'll go with alphanumerics because that sounds like a bmw 635 or that sounds like a mercedes you know e450 or you know something like that and Cadillac lost their way. I, I'm with you there, Group FBC. Cadillac had decades and decades of brand recognition with names like DeVille, Coupe DeVille, uh, Seville, El Dorado. Yes, through the 80s and the 90s, it, maybe there Let's were some tarnishes. Cimarron, but yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we don't need to mention Cimarron. Cimarron kind of came and went pretty quick, fortunately. Um but I mean, I mean, tarnish points aside, there's decades of brand recognition there that just got dumped. And then Cadillac is now trying to play, you know, trying to play the Germans on their field. Well, yeah, I think Cadillac did lose a fair amount of their core audience. But at the same time, I don't think they captured much of the core audience that they wanted from Germany. And no. now, now we're seeing... It, it's felt like Cadillac has been in kind of this weird space for a while. Now we're starting to see Cadillac return to names, right? Mm-hmm. Celestic, Slow. yeah, Lyric, Lyric, es- Escalade. And I remember asking, I was on a media event with Cadillac. Uh, was it has it been two or three years ago? Which probably means it was four or five years ago. <laughs> but but I specifically asked. I, it might have been it might have been for Lyric, um, and I specifically asked. Um, is Cadillac looking to move away from alphanumerics and and at least 
start bringing regular names back to their vehicles. And, and I think I also asked, you know, will, will there be any resurrection of names, you know, like, like Eldorado, you know, you know, things from Cadillac's history. Um, and they said that they were moving towards names. They, they wanted to bring names back into the lineup. I couldn't get them to, to confirm or deny anyway, whether we might see an Eldorado again, but yeah, that's sort of my, my big spiel there. I, I was picking up on this years and years and years ago. Um, and my argument then was Cadillac, you need to bring your names back. You need to bring back some of your heritage and, and your history and remind people where you've been and where you came from. Um, and it's not, it's not SRX. Um, I mean, Lincoln I would, lost their way in the exactly the same way. And yep. maybe even worse, MKZ, MKX, MK, like it just became alphanumerics, but they didn't seem to me. You couldn't tell what vehicle you were looking at by the numbers letter combination you were getting. And, right. And, and it, it works for Germany because they've done it for well, like 40, 40, 50 years. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, that's, that's why it works. So don't play their game, play your own game. That's, that's my little spiel on Cadillac there. I would love it if the CT5 um, morphed into a new generation sedan and they brought back, you know, Eldorado or, or DeVille or something. Tap into that history. Yeah. You know, people, people might remember just bloated badge engineered sedans from the 80s and the 90s. But that doesn't mean you can't pull deeper into your history and remind sure. people of like a 59 Cadillac Eldorado Baritz, which is I mean, that was that was basically the one of the pinnacles of luxury back then. Mm-hmm. You could do it again, Cadillac. So real quick, and this will be the last thing we say about Cadillac. I just wanted to mention there are no powertrain changes for the 2025 CT5. Uh, it still comes with you can get uh, stand, the standard engine is a turbocharged two liter four cylinder making 237 horsepower, 258 pound feet of torque. Or you can get a twin turbo three liter V6 with 335 horsepower, 405 pound feet of torque. Both of those hook up to a 10 speed automatic. Rear wheel drive is standard. All wheel drive is an option on both of them. Yeah, and being 2025, Bruce, I'm guessing we're not going to see these probably until later next year. So uh, production starts in spring 2024, but since generally the way model years work, I bet it'll be summer-ish before we actually see them. Yeah, which which makes sense. I bet okay, when so they say right. spring, they mean late spring, and then they'll go on sale in the summer. I don't know that for certain, but just yep. from covering the industry as long as I have, that's my best guess. Back in the back in the day, one person might call that a twenty twenty four and a half. Yeah, yeah. If if you uh, said back in the day, so yep, Cadillac. Um, what else do we got here, Bruce? Well, what, what, uh, what do you want to uh, move to next? Um, I picked the last one. Do you want to pick? So we've got Gladiator. Do you want to do Gladiator? That's another minor refresh that we can run through. Sure. Let's let let's jump over to Gladiator, and then um, we'll we'll go to the to the actual next generation model after that. Okay. <laughs> so we've got so we've got the 2024 Jeep Gladiator. You've seen the spy photos. You know that the Wrangler was updated earlier this year. Guess what? The Gladiator has essentially the same updates that the Jeep Wrangler has. And by that, we're talking about... Well, which about... makes sense because 
they share so much anyway. They they, if- they share so much. So we're talking about uh, the, just kind of the shorter grill. It's still the seven bar grill, but it's the shorter grill. Um, inside, you'd also have the changes uh, to the touch screen. There's the larger 12.3 inch infotainment screen. That, of course, required Jeep to do a little bit of redesign uh, with their inboard air vents. Yes, you still have circular vents, but they're on the corners. The ones in the middle now are just rectangulars underneath. Um, there's wireless car, Apple CarPlay. We're talking about Android air, Auto. air vents. <laughs> we're talking dude. about air vents. <laughs> when the discussion has to be about the shape of the vents, you know it's a minor refresh. Well, well, but but I remember when Wrangler, when the Wrangler refresh came out, and people were like, <gasps> they took out the the iconic round vents. Well, there are still, I mean, it's, it's a big deal to Jeep people. It's a Jeep uh, thing that I don't understand. Okay. <laughs> uh, maybe I guess oh, that, that tagline is never going to go away, but I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, th- that change is plugged in there. Um, we, we know there's also, I'm just kind of going through some of the, some of the other features here. I mean, I think we need to the, talk about the American Expedition Vehicles kits because they're well, also was, available on the Wrangler, but they're kind of the big thing, aren't they? Well, well, I mean, they're kind of the big thing here, but I, I just wanted to run through some of the other quick tech updates here since we're talking okay. about okay. Uh, okay. the screen there. There's the Apple CarPlay Android Auto Wireless. Um, you can also get the uh, Jeep Adventure Guide with Trails Off-Road. Um, that basically that gives you access right through the infotainment screen to various trails that you might be venturing on in your gladiator as you do. Um, That does require a yearly subscription to the trails off-road. It costs $40. Um, We've got... just buy a map? You're killing me here, Smalls. (laughs) You're killing me here. Could I buy a map? You could, but come on. It's 2023... Who uses a roadmap? Who even knows how to fold a roadmap? Fair enough. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. By the way, I I do know how to fold a road. Well, I guess it depends on how the roadmap is originally folded. Uh, but I mean, it's for off-roaders, it's actually a pretty convenient thing. Um, it's it's basically it's basically GPS for places that you wouldn't normally have GPS. Um, and and that can certainly be a, a helpful thing for going off-road. Um the truck has new first and second row curtain airbags, second row outboard seats featuring belt pretensioners and load limiters. You certainly don't want to be falling out when you have the roof off. Well, no, but uh, that and, is and, and the doors off. Yep. Because this is a vehicle that has struggled in IIHS crash tests in the past. Yes, I'm glad and you so said I, that. I wonder if you know these features wouldn't necessarily help. We'll have to wait until it gets crash tested, but it mm-hmm. would certainly seem like Jeep is trying to improve those that those safety features, which is a good thing. Yes, and we should also mention that uh, the diesel is gone. Um, you've got gone. The, you've got the three point six liter V six in there, um, and this is something that I I guess I hadn't realized. Um, but I mean, it, it's still there. Six-speed manual transmission is is standard across the entire lineup. Um, so the Gladiator, the manual still lives. I guess Ted Adam I, Green's it, out it, here it, living it high had... on the hog, buying them laminated maps. <laughs> uh, I always paid more money for the laminated maps so they make folding easier. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I got nothing there. Sorry. Um, I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you. I apologize. <laughs> this is a minor refresh. It really is. So I'm trying. It, it, to it is. It's it, it's it's a minor like. refresh. Yeah. And 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 that I pretty much ran through the, the gist of it there. Uh, I mean, there are some minor color differences. There are some minor changes to uh, to wheel options. But Bruce, would you like to talk about the the packages uh, sure. from American Expedition Vehicles? Because yeah, that's that's going to be a big deal uh, for people that want a little bit more out of the Gladiator. Yep. So American Expedition Vehicles, also just known as AEV, you should probably know or you might know them best from the work that they've done with uh, Chevrolet and GMC on some of their recent trucks, the Colorado, the Canyon, the Sierra. I think there's a Silverado. There's got to be a Silverado AEV, right? I, if I If I remember correctly. Yeah. But so they make off-road type equipment and so they are now offering packages specifically for jeep vehicles we covered them when they came out for the wrangler now you can get them on the gladiator they are called the upcountry and upcountry plus and you get things like a two-inch suspension lift you get bf goodrich all-terrain tires um you get and they're 37 inch tires, I should say, just kind of the type of equipment that if someone is going to be ta- really wants to take this vehicle off road, they're the type of upgrades that you would want to have to do that. Um, and it's nice that they're available straight from the dealer. They are, you know, it's a third party aftermarket thing, but you can buy them from the dealer, which means that they're going to be warrantied, which means if you're buying the vehicle, you can factor that into your financing. You know, it's just kind of a nice thing to be able to add for the folks that want to be able to do that. Right. Um, And we do have some. Oh, I I apologize. We don't have pricing. I thought we did have pricing, but I'm I'm looking at our post here um, and it's just referencing last year's, which I mean, that's a good reference point to go from. Um, Just as a reminder, the Gladiator Sport starts at forty thousand five seventy for twenty twenty three with a minor refresh. Will we see? A, a big increase in price. I doubt it. Uh, but pricing for 2024 will be announced closer to its on sale date, which hasn't been announced yet either. So stay tuned more to come, but here's, here's a look at the new gladiator and yep. Bruce, do, do you remember the negativity surrounding the, the 2024 Wrangler when it debuted with its refresh? I remember just seeing in, a, in our comments on our post and on social a lot of hate for for uh, what's what's Jeep doing, and I, I remember I don't, that. I don't being get confused that. as hell about it because I'm like, yeah, it barely changed, guys. What are we it, fighting it, about here? Well, but I mean, it's I, the the grill. The grill is shorter, and it it just. I mean, it does change the dynamic of the like front said, a little bit, but it's not. A, but but it's not not in a bad way at all. I think if I remember, people were talking about, oh, you, you're trying to make it look like a like a little tiny off roader. Which, I, I, no. I remember those remarks and I still don't understand that argument at all. No, I think, uh, I think it looks, I mean, it's, it's a different look. Um, it's not hugely different, but it's still very Jeep and it's not bad by oh, any yeah. standards. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, it's good. I'll be honest. I'm not, I'm not buying a Jeep gladiator. If I'm looking in a, like a midsize truck segment, I've, I've driven them before and, for as cool as they are, man, they still just drive like a truck to me. They drive. Eric they drive. Says 
they drive uh, like feeling the heat from Bronco. And yeah, I think you're right. And that's a good thing. It, the fact the Wrangler has kind of been in a class of all its own for a long time. You know, maybe, maybe you could argue the FJ Cruiser fought against it. And that's even an iffy argument. So it's been without a competitor for just ages. And now there's a real competitor there. And that's a good thing. You know, no one should go around just being able to, you know, to be the king with no one challenging them. Bronco is a legitimate challenger. And it's forcing both of them to be better vehicles because Bronco is trying to conquest as many Wrangler owners they can get. And Wrangler, uh, the Wrangler developers are trying to make the best vehicle they can to make sure that, you know, the Bronco doesn't eat their lunch. So it's, it's a win-win situation for vehicle buyers. Right. I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. So that's, uh, that's the latest on the Jeep Gladiator. You can see it at the 2023 Detroit Auto Show that I believe opens to the public on Saturday. Bruce, do you know what else you can see on Saturday at the 2023 Detroit Auto Show at Huntington Place, which will always be Cobo Hall to me because uh, I'm, oh, I'm did they change it? The, this is news to me. Sorry, it's yeah. Well, it's, it's always it's, been Cobo to me. Well, it's it's still the same place, but they call it Huntington now. Uh, it's it's been oh. it's been Huntington for a few years. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's always it's Kobo gonna be Kobo. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's always going to be Kobo. Uh, yeah. but you'll see the 2024 GMC Acadia there. You this sure isn't, will. this isn't a refresh. This is the next generation Acadia. Of course, we've seen spy photos for a little while. The Traverse, the Chevy Traverse, which is basically it, it's Chevy cousin debuted earlier this year. Um, so you'll, you'll recognize some similarities here. Starting under the hood, um, the Acadia has just the single engine now. It's the turbocharged 2.5 liter four-cylinder engine. Um, same thing that you get in the new Traverse. It's rated at 328 horsepower, 326 pound-feet of torque. And that's what you get for every single Acadia trim from the base all the way up to the top Denali. Um, it powers either the front wheels or all four with an eight-speed automatic transmission. Um, as I was writing this up, uh, just a little interesting note that I put in my uh, in my debut post: no electrification in sight as of right now, at least. Um, mm-hmm. This is just this is just a pure internal combustion uh, crossover SUV, and it's also much bigger. And in fact, it's not too far off from the GMC Yukon now. Um, it's ten point six inches longer. 3.6 inches taller. It's a little bit wider. They didn't tell us, tell us exactly how much wider. And it doesn't sound like much when you just say a, a 10.6 inches, 3.6. But when when you apply that to a vehicle like this, um, that is a pretty significant difference. It adds I mean, stretching 80... any vehicle by almost 11 inches. That's a pretty significant, you know, growth. Yes. Um it adds 80% more storage space behind the third row seat, 36% more space in the second row. You're going to notice that as passengers. It's definitely going to be roomier inside. Uh, GMC didn't share like specifics on, on square footage, things like that. But that's a that's a notable bump in space. Um, and I, I think it's 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 absolutely worth pointing out that it's it's it sounds like a small number. It, it has pretty big I don't ramifications. Think it small at all. It has pretty big ramifications um, in in practicality. Um, yeah. 
And there's also then, of course, the outside is updated. Uh, but the inside, I think, is the bigger uh, story here. You have a 11-inch diagonal display for the driver, uh, digital. And unlike the Traverse, this one has a 15-inch portrait-oriented screen. Uh, the tra- and, and I found that kind of interesting. I thought there would be some similarities there. Um, GMC definitely gives the Acadia a different feel inside. Uh, because Traverse, it has the diagonal screens. This is a 15-inch portrait-oriented uh, center touch screen. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some analog controls, though. Um, of course, you have buttons on the steering wheel, but then you also have tactile controls below that center screen. Um, I find it interesting that GMC, I, and I feel like a lot of automakers might be pushing back against just going fully digital with everything into touchscreen. So. Um, nice to know there's still some analog controls there. Bruce, I was like you, and I haven't heard back from GMC yet um, with regards to trying to find out Android Auto and, and Apple CarPlay. Because Cadillac, they didn't mention it in their press release, but no. they did confirm to you that, okay, yes, Android Auto, Apple CarPlay is in there. Same thing After here. I had to ask a very... I had to ask it in a very specific way. A very specific way, which is interesting because we know GM, uh, they've said that they're moving to their own um, internally developed systems that, that will be uh, based with Google, and they will be dropping uh, Android Auto, Apple CarPlay in their vehicles. They said EVs, it'll be gone. Uh, but they said combustion vehicles would still have it for at least a little while. This is obviously a combustion vehicle. There's no mention of Android Auto, Apple CarPlay in there. They do talk about Google built in with this with its various features and apps. Um, I did contact GMC. I haven't heard back yet on whether this will have Android Auto or Apple CarPlay. Um, but beyond that, I, I mean, it's got Super Cruise now. Um, it has no less than 20 driver assist and safety features has standard. Um, now, to be fair, they're they're bundling things like uh, you know seatbelt reminders, rear seat reminders, which I mean they're good, but they're in, they're including those in, in that in that figure. But yeah. blind spot monitoring, adaptive cruise, auto emergency braking, those are all standard issue. And I think that's I think that's that's good. That's good. Um, I mean, it's these becoming things, the norm increasingly, is right? That, you know. We're these things are, yet, are known to but... help, so. Oh, totally. Yep. Um, of course, you have AT4 Denali trims returning for 2024. Um, the AT4 obviously is going to have a retuned suspension uh, for for a little bit better off road capability. You also get an extra inch of ground clearance in AT4. Um, AT4 also has an active torque control all wheel drive system. It's exclusive uh, to that trim. And of course, you got to have the red tow hooks because, because red, right? Because red. Um, Denali, it's still the the range topping luxury version. Um, it rides on a new set of twenty two inch wheels. It's got the Denali exclusive interior, wood trim, leather everywhere, huge sunroof, and if you want the Bose sixteen speaker stereo, you get the Denali. Um, okay. And like Gladiator. We don't have information on pricing yet. That will come later, uh, but should be too much later because these are expected to go on sale early next year, whether that's okay. January. Presumably, that's, that'll be Q1 2024, so January, February, or March. Um, 
GMC Acadia. What are your thoughts on that, Bruce? What are your thoughts on that out there, Ramblers? Jump into yeah, the comments. Ramblers, let us know. To me, so I think this is kind of a handsome vehicle. Um, I really like the exterior of this. I think it's just, it's chiseled, but it doesn't look overly aggressive. It's just, I really like the exterior. And then the interior, again, with the the digital instrument cluster and that nice portrait layout screen. It's a, I, I could, you know, I, without driving one, you never know, but man, is it good looking everywhere. So I, I, I think this is, you know, from just looking at the specs and looking at the images, this seems like something that's going to be a success in terms of sales. Well, I agree with you um, in every way that I don't. Um, oh, and, 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 and by and by that, I yeah, I I don't I don't like the look of it. Sorry. Really? Um, okay. The, the, what don't the, you like the, about it? The grill is too big. It's too wide. It looks. It looks too gimmicky to me i i'm not a big fan i mean it's not ugly but there are so many other vehicles i would take the traverse actually over this um see, and i'm I'd not a, and i'm not off. a fan of and i'm not a fan of portrait screens see i mean looking at the front the way you know we were talking about f-150 how things are just very clean and proportional this has i mean the the the, the grill tapers out and then back in and then there are contrasting angles here and it's got this kind of the weird you know, running lights where they try to curve around the side, but there's still some edges there. And it's just, okay. There's, there's just a little too much going on. Has I'm seeing more vehicles with the more simplified styling, the more I like that. And the more I'm gravitating towards that. So um, my, one I was never, counter my one counter argument, and I'm going to throw this out there is that, so the Subaru that we have has a portrait layout screen and I really like it because of the way it organizes information. So with, obviously, if it was landscape, you have more info uh, in terms of length rather than height. Whereas with a portrait, you have a long list of things in a short uh, kind of, air, in a narrower area. And I prefer, I get just personal preference, my eyes are better at scanning you know top to bottom then left to right and i i just it's a little bit easier for me to you know scan things and look at it like that but again that's a preference thing not you know different people are going to feel different ways about that right i mean i've i've been in vehicles a fair amount of vehicles with uh the landscape screens really the only vehicle that i've driven much with a portrait screen is the uh is the mustang maki and i mean that yeah, it, it's nice to have all that information fairly well organized, but uh, I mean the the diagonal screens that I've that I've seen uh, that I've used have been fairly well organized. Um, okay, and I just and I just don't feel like it's like really in your face. Maybe maybe that's maybe that's my hangup. It just feels like the portrait screens are boom, coming just right up at you, taking up too much space. And I would rather just you know something a little bit smaller. But yeah, it's it's. Uh, the more I see simplified, yep. Yeah. The more I see simplified designs, the more I find I like simplified designs. I, um, I, I simple, I think is better as well. Um, I'm going to suggest something to you. I mean, we can oh. do this on the fly. And if you disagree with me, that's fine. So we're an hour and two minutes into the show. We have tech. We currently have two topics left. 
I'm wondering, do you want to skip the Audi since it's just a special edition and talk more about the other thing? Um, if not, I, I'm, 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 I'm actually dying to talk about the Audi because, oh, okay. Then Audi I, I, I think, I think it's an interesting vehicle that I, 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 I won't spoil it for everybody. I know you wrote this up. Um, I'll let you tell the story. Um, yeah, it, it's nothing groundbreaking, no, but don't, but don't tell people right off the bat, the, the main thing that makes this interesting. And I think, you know what I'm talking about? Let's, uh, I let, don't let's, know what you're talking about. So the way it looks and why it looks that way, I, I want to, I want to, I want to gauge ramblers. You need to be involved in this because I want to see if, if your take and then your reaction is similar to mine and managing editor Jeff Perez. When you were asking about it today, Bruce, in our team's chat, we were both like, oh, wow, I didn't know. I didn't know it was like that at all. So tell us, tell us what we're looking at here. Okay. Well, I pressed the wrong button and started the wrong thing. So now I got to do this. Now we're in good shape. So this is the Audi RS e-tron GT Ice Race Edition. It is a limited edition model exclusively for Europe. They're making 99 of them. And uh, yeah, it is based on a concept that only debuted in March of this year that looks basically identical. And basic, the thing that really makes this vehicle special is the way the exterior looks. And I guess the thing that I have to give away here is... Uh, don't, don't, don't give it away just yet. Okay, I'm not... Don't, don't give it away just yet because we have, we have this very interesting exterior, right? It looks like it's, it's silver with some white trim on it. Or maybe it's purple. white with some silver trim and purple on it. Um, and yeah, only 99 are being produced. Ramblers, if you're able, jump in the chat. Bruce and I are going to vamp here for a little bit. We'll give you a minute or so. Um, take a look at this exterior. And I think this is way less impressive than you think it is. But okay, <laughs> I'm here well, for I, it. Well, well, I mean, I mean, I mean, I see this. What are your opinions on the exterior? Um, and I mean, what color I mean, is it? I it mean, looks I mean, like a show car to me. It looks like something you would see at yeah. an auto show that you would never expect to be actually go into production. But like we were saying, they're making 99 of them. And it, so it's this really interesting combination of different kind of visual textures where you've got kind of this tran not transparent, uh, um, reflective silver along the sides. You've got purple in the nose and along yeah, the it's, sides. It, it's a it's a very odd combination that makes me just be like, who thought of this? But the more I look at it, the more it, it interests me. And I and I guess we should go ahead and give it away now. Um, that's not a paint job. No, it is not. It is a body wrap. Uh, so what they did is the base color is what they call floret, or maybe it's flore silver. And then they applied a body wrap over it, but it's not just a normal body wrap. It actually has transparent, uh, panels to it. So they essentially, they have a body wrap that has its own color scheme and then they put that over the silver. So there are portions that are transparent or partially transparent. And to what Audi says is it's supposed to look like ice crystals, which I don't necessarily say see, but that's what they say. And yeah, it's a foil body wrap 
over silver paint so you can still get this you can still see the silver paint underneath but there's also colors in the wrap that are shining through and i find that and maybe i'm just nerding out here but i find that super interesting i had no idea you could do a wrap like that every time i think of a wrap okay full body wrap of, of usually just a single color or maybe they're just putting like a a certain decal on a certain part of the car. Um, but this is the whole thing is wrapped, but part of the wrap is, is clear. So you still have things right. showing you up. Basically you the original it. paint underneath. You can basically see it best here. Like uh, along, whoops, crap along the door, you along the top of the door, at least you can see the, the floret silver paint, flore silver, whatever. And then you can see the body wrap and you can see that, the pieces that are semi-transparent where there's the color underneath, but then also there's a pattern to the wrap. So it's really a complicated look uh, once you look at it. And I'm sure it's hard as hell to apply because in order to get all the lines just right must be maddening, but it, it, it's something interesting or here along kind of the roof line and the belt line and the shoulder line where the roof is the body color it's silver but then it picks up here along the belt line uh that you see that pattern there that's supposed to look like ice crystals where there's a pattern on top but then the body color is underneath and then it's kind of got these purple bits and then these stripes which they're not really stripes because the thing that you're looking at is body color. And then there's another color that's part of the wrap. So it, it's a really complex way to do things. And again, they're only making 99 of them. So it's not like you're going to see a lot of these on the road. Um, it's a really complex, you know, way to put a vehicle together. Yeah. I mean, it's super complex, but I mean, once you have the wrap dialed in, it's just, okay, we, we, we put the wrap on. I mean, when I first saw it, I guess it just didn't well, occur to me. Well, it's more that, that, but you've got to have a specialist put the wrap on because think about it. You have to have everything line up perfectly. Yeah. Like, yeah. You have to have a specialist. If you mess it up, it's going to look As opposed to Bugatti paying somebody to draw art on the side of their fair, car. Fair, right? fair, fair, fair. It's just, I found it super interesting and, and I oh, thought it was worth talking about, but... <laughs> These stripes aren't painted, my friend. They're, they're, These are they're not, not painted, painted stripes. Not painted. But apparently <laughs> I, I'm in the minority because I'm I'm going through the comments here and, and group FBC must have been something odd in the water recently. I, um it's fine. I you guys liked it a whole lot more than I did. And granted, I wrote up the story because I thought it was interesting, but you guys found it way more interesting than I did. Yeah, Eric Nefron, a, a cool, especially historical livery can be terrific. Take the Porsche Martini. This dot dot dot. Not so sure. Um, Bruce, is that a hashtag on the door, or is that just like a like a uh, like an Audi symbol? Let us see. I where is the where, where are we looking? Oh my God, that is a hashtag. It is a hashtag. Future, Future is, is an, an attitude. Attitude. Oh boy. Okay. Well, I yeah. still think it's interesting. I don't know that that I would take it, but I found it very interesting. And now I'm thinking of all kinds of rap uh, possibilities for my Mustang or my Taurus show. 
Speaking that's, of like that's a still, martini that's still, livery, that still or gives a me some of the color underneath. on a Porsche. That could be something really cool where you have the body, one of the colors, and then the wrap, the other color. That could be cool. But let's talk about something that you and I both agree are is very cool. And that is maybe the certainly the coolest barn find I've seen this year. Maybe the coolest barn find I've ever seen. Uh, well, well. There, there have been so many, and it seems like what, what I mean, we've seen like malt, like you know, 100 plus cars, 200 plus cars. As I was going through this, this is an article, uh, Ramblers, that just went up on motor1.com like two or three hours ago. Um, it's already it's getting a ton of traffic. I found this video that was just posted to, to YouTube, uh, just a day or two ago. Um, it's everything, it's there are. Camaros and Mustangs, but there's also European stuff. There are, you know, pre-war cars. It's, you know, we're looking at a Thunderbird next to a something with a rumble seat next. Like, it's, well, it's. Oh, I mean, it's it's varied. There's a little bit of everything. Um, to be fair, the majority of the cars that we see in the video are are American classics. We see a lot of Mustangs. Uh, well, we there's see a, a lot G of Shelby class right there. Like, yeah, we we, we we see a lot of Shelby Mustangs. We see a lot of Finn cars from the 50s and the 60s. We see a lot of cars from the 30s. But yes, we we get occasional you know glimpses. Um, you know, there's there's a there's a big Mercedes in there. There's uh, a classic Rolls Royce. I think it's like a late 20s Rolls Royce. There's the G class in there. Um, there's a Volvo P1800 in there. I saw um, that one, but I mean, I mean, like right now, I mean, Buick, and I think that's an Oldsmobile, like like a there's 50s a Chevy, Buick there's Oldsmobile, a Lincoln, I think there's a Carmen Ghia, there's a Mustang, another there's Mustang, a there's a Coffin Nose Cord, there's there's there's, a there's, there's, there's the newer Mustang. Benz, there, there's there's one of the Shelby GT500 KRs. Like, um, do we and, know? And, there's that Dodge Rampage you mentioned, the convertible. No, 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 no. It's it's yeah, it's a Dodge Dakota convertible. I, I oh, mean, Dakota, so so sorry, there there are some pretty rare cars here. Let me let me give the background as as Cherokee. well as we know. Um, the video simply says, you know, massive two hundred plus barn find um, in an old museum. Um, it's an undisclosed location. It it doesn't look like a museum to me. Z28 maybe it, it, maybe it, maybe it was a museum at some point. Um, it looks like a big warehouse where maybe museum cars have been stored. Unfortunately, there isn't much context given as to exactly what this is. We don't know who owns it. We don't know where it is. It's probably for the best that we don't know where it is because that that looks like it's it's a fairly significantly pricey collection well, you were talking we don't about know. this in our trello you th like there's easily a million dollars in cars sitting here could be um i mean i, I want to make it clear that, I don't that know, we dude. are we, we are we aren't vehicle estimators but um no, when, but... when when you when you look at the article uh i mean like for example uh i was able to identify like at least three or four shelby mustangs classic shelby mustangs Provided they aren't clones, those are going to be pretty valuable. One I identified, it's a, it looks like it's a 68 GT500 KR convertible. Provided there's it's Volvo not a P1800. clone. There's the Volvo. Provided that KR isn't a clone, 
Um, I believe it's one of like 500 and some made. I found an auction this year where a GT 500 KR sold for like 200 and some thousand There's an Edsel. There's a Mustang. Um, Another Mustang. What really gets interesting, Bruce, can can you can you fast forward towards the end? Or or if or if you want to bring up the article, because I have I have a screenshot in the article. This is this is what got my attention. Um, you're going through and you're seeing, okay, looks like a, you know, fifties Buick fifties Cadillac. Look at all these Mustangs. Look at all these Mustangs. Look at that. I mean, right there, that's, that's, that's a great early sixties, late, late fifties, early sixties and Pala. There's some Cadillacs. It looks like a, like a 57, 58 Cadillac, uh, some cars from the thirties. Let's just keep bumping along here because I, I, we're, we're, I think we're I think we're getting close to back up. Let's pause it right there because you go along, look at all these cars and then back here in a corner. Are those two Auburn boat tail speedsters? What? Two Auburn boat tail speedsters? What? I mean, I think everybody on the podcast knows I'm a huge, huge fan of of these classic Auburns. Um, do you see them in barns? I mean, this isn't a barn, obviously. This is a warehouse. Um, and those are in, um, like, th- they're in, board. like, you could take that, clean it up, and it's going to be... Well, well, maybe. Well, here, here's 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 the thing. Before we get before we get too excited, I I just I just want to put some caveats in here. Um, okay. We don't know if these are replicas or real Auburns. There are certainly replica Auburn sure, boat tails out there. Not everything Be- here is a replica. Like we could say that right. about some things, right. but all of these can't be replicas. Right. What I what I want to do though, I, I just want to put some context here because you go along, you see these. If those are two legit Auburn boat tail speedsters, that's a million dollars sitting right there. Yeah. Just, just with those, just with those. So, and I actually looked up uh, just a recent auction this year. Um, the light blue one that we see here has markings similar to the supercharged boat tail speedsters. At auction this year, one of those sold for seven hundred and like sixty thousand dollars, something like that. Um, we've seen auctions in recent years of those cars, million dollars for one. So you're going through this this barn find video, uh, you know this this big warehouse wherever it is, cars in various states of repair. Some of them look pretty clean. Some of them well, are. Some of them that we're looking at here is some of them are one's... in pieces. Um, some of them are really dirty. It looks like some of them have been under covers at least a little bit. Oh, is that and a then we get, uh, and then we get limousine? to these two, it and then is. we get to these two Auburns. And it's like, I mean, just just to the wildness, the the craziness of finding those. You know, we we have one that was auctioned just earlier this year for three quarters of a million dollars, and it's sitting in this building with parts strewn everywhere. That's why I I put up the caveat that okay, we don't know if those are legitimate Auburn boat tails. No, we don't. There are replicas out there. <sighs> Part of me wants to say those are probably replicas because I can't believe somebody would would have those cars sitting there. 
but if, even if if, 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 if they if they know what they're worth right side when you look at just what we are seeing here it is an amazing collection of vehicles. it is it is this is a wild collection of vehicles I asked when I first saw the video, I, I jumped into our team's chat and I, I asked everybody, it's like, does this look familiar? Because I, I get some some odd sense that I've seen it before, but I've seen so many barn find videos of larger of larger collections like this. They could just be kind of melding together over time here. Uh, but yeah, just just an amazing group of cars. Obviously, lots of muscle cars, lots of lots of 50s. Uh, and then, yeah, then it's yeah. predominantly Group, American stuff with group FBC jumps stuff. in and says a random Lexus GS. Yeah, I think that's probably the news vehicle in there. Um, yeah. you know, a Lexus GX sitting in there. Um, yeah, I mean, just just a cool collection. I mean, there's a there's a looks like a late 80s, early 90s Jeep Cherokee Cherokee. Um, yeah, and that's the Rolls Royce sitting right behind it and next to that a, Camaro, a first Camaro, gen Camaro Z28 first, right first next gen to Z28. it. Um, we saw multiple Shelby's. Like I said, there was a, there was that 68, 500 KR convertible, um, over back by the Auburns. That's either a 69 or a 70. I think it's a 69, uh, Shelby. I don't know if it's a GT 350 or a GT 500. Um, I mean, yeah, lots, lots of, of worthwhile, valuable cars here. I mean, I mean, we're looking at a big row of Chevys and Buicks. And Pontiacs right now, and, and then there's no that's that's, that's 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 a cord, you know. You know no. that, that's another pretty interesting no, 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 card. No, no. Yeah, not the one to the left of the cord. What is this cream color? That's a Hudson or a Nash, I think. Oh, next to the cord, that's um, could be a Hudson. And then and then there's the Maserati bi turbo sitting there. Yeah, well, did, that thing's did, never going to see it. <laughs> I did see it. Oh yeah, um, and yeah, I mean, like 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 old Cadillacs. We don't know the story behind it. Alfa Romeo. The, 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 the video. The video just says, "Well, the insane classic car collection, like that. Um, abandoned vintage cars. We don't know where the location is. We don't know the ownership. It mentions museum. Whether these were in a museum, whether it was some sort of storage, hard to say. But um, definitely one of the more interesting barn finds we've seen. And of yeah. course, when I saw those Auburns, I was just like." Holy crap. I mean, hell, there's two coffin nose cords in there. Those things alone. I mean, they're not million dollar cars, but they're hundred thousand dollar. Yeah, they can. Cars. I mean, they can they can certainly be pretty valuable. Um, very random. And what, like I said, when I saw those Auburns, I, I have a real, real soft spot for those. Even if they're replicas. I mean, if they're good replicas, I've seen replicas at auctions bringing you know, high five, low six figure amounts if they're good replicas. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's another first gen Z28 that's next to the GT500 or GT350. Those are the Auburns again. And yeah. I mean, it's not like those Auburns, there's a cover on the back of that one. But when you look closely, I mean, they're all dirty. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I would love for a while. There's the I, I would love to have somebody. I would love to have somebody that's really, really schooled on Auburn's to see if they could take a look to identify if those are the real deal or, uh, or replicas. Um, Cause man, there's, there's just this part of me that's like, how, how could you, how could you let a car that valuable? But then again, I mean, how many collections, how many bar finds have we seen where, I mean, there are some just properly 
vintage, gorgeous, rare Ferraris and things. Um, sure. That you know, it happens. It's, it, it's there and then life happens and, and, and yeah, that's but it. No, this, this is this, just this, a, because of how eclectic, I guess the collection is of, it's just, it's a little bit of everything. Like it's, you know, I guess it's all older vehicles, so we can't say it's a little bit, of, but you know, there's American stuff, there's European stuff, there's sports cars, there's luxury cars, there's muscle cars. There's, it, there's, there's nothing. Well, I guess you got Lexus that's Japanese. Yeah, that's the one Japanese car in here. Yeah, but it <laughs> and it's a Lexus still... SUV. Yeah, very interesting but collection. It's just wild to have a Camaro Z28 just parked next to a Rolls Royce, parked next to a Jeep Cherokee. Like, what what is going on here? Yep. And what's up with the mannequin? You see the, the just like like just I, a no, random I... mannequin leaning against. Yeah, man. The, I I so would like to know more about this story. Um, yeah, you know what? Whether whether the uh, the YouTuber um, that put this up, I think it's Classic Car Rescue is the YouTube channel that just recently put it up. I would love it if if there's some more backstory on that. But totally, you know, we're we're looking at the cars, we're enjoying the experience, and that's kind of what it's all about. And you can go over to MotorOne.com, um, read the article that we have written up there, um, see the video there, and hey. As always, for everything that we've talked about here on the podcast, you can email us podcast at motorone.com. We'd love to get your emails and respond. Um, Bruce, where are we at? What else we got? Yeah, we got anything else? Got anything else for this podcast? If you're upset about me complaining about golf, Christopher.bruce at motorone.com, you can send me your hate (laughs) mail right there because I'll take it and I'll just laugh because I don't like golf. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't really like golf either. I've I've never really gotten into the sport. But you, okay, hey, well, well me, hold on, hold on. for Smith, you can send that to me too. Hold on, hold on. What? I've enjoyed playing golf video games. What is that? Same. Say? Interestingly enough, same. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that seems just kind of okay. Relaxing. Usually, they have like some soundtrack where it's birds and da 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 da. That yeah. seems interesting. But I've never had the desire to go out to an actual golf course. Same. And and drive around. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I should try before I knock it. Because I enjoy mini golf. Eh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Admittedly, the last time I played mini golf. Whether or not you like it. The, the last time I tried, I played mini golf. Admittedly, was a long time ago. And I was more interested in seeing how far I could hit the ball onto other areas of the mini golf course, which is not what you're supposed to do, but it seems like you didn't enjoy mini golf. Then I, I enjoyed mini golf on my terms. Okay. Um, but yeah, with that, I think we're going to end the show for tonight as <laughs> always. Th- no, I think I, we've reached the stopping point. If we that's, are talking about mini golf, I think we can call that. That's the weird, that's the weird ramble of the day right there. There you go. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone for, uh, listening along with us, watching along with us tonight. We hope you enjoyed the show. That barn find was so cool. Like I could literally watch that video again with you guys. And I wish that we could just be like, oh, I see one of those. And I see one of those and oh, there's that. And there's that. And there's like, just identifying the cars to me is so much fun, but yeah, a very fun episode tonight. As always, we appreciate you spending time with us. 
I understand, as always, there's a million and one things that you could be doing, but you decide to watch along with us, and I really appreciate that. Um, so uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night, wherever you are. We appreciate you, and we appreciate that you decide to give your time to us because it it's just a fantastic thing. So thank you so much, and we will be back next week. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.